0: to George as the Wheel. Today, we're going to be doing a special to commemorate our last episode of our first season. I'm your host, Carson Wagner, and today, we're doing a questions and answers session with Young Eagles pilot and certified flight instructor, Curtis Haney. Curtis, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Carson. Yeah. Long time uh, in the coming, but here we are.
0: Yeah, finally made it. This has been a long time in the planning, I can tell you that right now. Um so Curtis, we have 12 questions for you today, starting with what got you interested in aviation and, you know, wanting to be a pilot?
1: You know, you hear, uh, the term in this type of life, I guess, of an aviation here, the bug being bit by the flying bug. And, uh, you know, my earliest memories were when I would go with my grandfather, Jim Lynch up to, uh his rice fields north of Sacramento and they would be flying on the rice seed with aircraft, ag, ag airplanes, uh, particularly ag cat is what I remember. And it would, they would come over um, our heads at, you know, 20 feet rice falling all over us, you know, with their radial engine Pratt and Wayne 985s and 1340s or sixties. I can't remember which one it is. And, uh, Oh, I just love that. Right yeah. over top, and I would uh, grab some. I remember one time grabbing dirt clods, saying, "I think he's so close, I could hit him before my grandfather could stop me." I threw. Fortunately, I didn't quite make it up to the airplane. <laughs> <He just laughs> oh, it off. Yeah, then I had a teacher in junior high that was a pilot, um, and that teacher kind of mentored me and and some of the things of aviation. I read a lot of books in the Oakdale Library about it. And uh, despite struggling in school, uh, my teacher was pretty cool about that. And then uh, later on, I had real life uh, pilot mentors out of Oakdale Airport that would um, take me into their hangars and let me clean their airplanes and go on flights and rides with them. And uh, my parents began to uh, build up a trust and I used to um, just spend Saturdays out with them. Eventually, Bruce Bosey great mentor of mine would pick me up and take me out to the airport every Saturday morning almost and we'd spend all day out there. So that's what got me interested in aviation from the rice fields on all the way up to actually I want to be a pilot, so
0: Yeah. Uh, that's an awesome story. That's definitely a lot of us have just, you know, caught in the aviation bug like I did and just carried it on and yeah, I remember as a kid, we would always go so my home airport, there's a farmers market next, right next to it. We would always go to the farmers market with my grandma, and I remember every time we went there, I was I would only be like four or five, maybe six. Every time we went there, there'd be planes landing and taking off at the airport, and I was always way more interested in the planes landing off, landing and taking off, and I'd always sit there watching them um, until my mom, my grandma had to, you know, like drag me inside the farmers market. Because I just I wanted to watch the planes uh so much, and I was never interested in the farmers' market, you know I wanted to see the planes, and it's, it's things like that, like your uh the rice the rice planes you know they it you know awakens a little spark inside of you you know, and you catch the bug and then you carry it from there and eventually you can become a pilot so yeah, awesome story, uh Curtis, and great answer so uh, yeah. hey, our Miller, next question go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what we is it is is it something you want to say before the next question? Yeah, I was
1: just going to say a similar problem I had. I was uh, playing baseball, and it, a lot of times the field was next next to the pattern of the airport, and it became increasingly problem that my baseball progression. I was a, a pitcher um, and a couple different bases, and doing you know, pretty okay, making the all star team, and I kept having airplanes fly over, and it was very, very distracting. And oh, yeah. eventually, I had to cut off baseball because it was interfering with my
0: airport time.
1: So I had a similar story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just, you like, you know, you see the planes, it distracts you a lot. I can imagine that. Um, <laughs> and being, excuse me, <coughs> being in the middle of a game, yeah, that wouldn't be good. Um, so, next question. What is, in your opinion, the greatest thing or things about flying?
1: Uh, let's see here. <clears throat> There's a combination of things. Uh, I would say, for starting, for starting the uh, U.S. airspace, the way our airspace is laid out and our FAA's regulation is liberty-minded. So. If you need to fly high above the clouds, you can fly IFR on instruments, on a flight plan as an instrument pilot. If you want to fly visually, you can. You can fly, except for some military airspace, which for good reason you can't fly through. Um, You can fly all the way, all around our country with great ease and liberty, unlike many other countries uh, in this world. And I love the liberty that you can just jump in the airplane and go fly visually wherever you want within, uh, within reason. Um, this second or third thing that I love about flying is seeing God's creation. And that's kind of one of my mottos is that I go by Psalms chapter 19, verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. You know, yeah. so the the creation I see from the air and the weather and the the world certainly confirms um, the you know God's creation, and I love seeing it from the air. For instance, when I fly from Medford off and down to Salinas, you can see the um, the fault line. I uh, it's just missing my I'm. I'm not thinking what it is right now, the San Andreas, I think it is, San Andreas yeah, Fault Line right. runs long, along the west side of the valley. You can see the mountains all squiggled and warped and in, in, in line with each other. It's just so many amazing things. So that's, that's some of the things I love about flying.
0: Yeah, it definitely gives you a, a different perspective a lot of the uh, time. You know, people who haven't flown before, they go up and, they see beautiful sights and things in the air and gives them a very different perspective. And like you said, it, you know, confirms God's glory and uh, his creation. And it, yeah, it's, it's awesome. So, it um.
1: Is. Highly recommend
0: it. <laughs> yeah, 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 same here. So uh, next question, do you have a figure in aviation that inspires you such as, you know, a history figure, a former mentor, a mentor, an instructor, etc.?
1: Yeah, uh, like probably you and many others, the greats of history, you know, the Chuck Yeager's Robin Olds, the Doolittle, Jimmy Doolittle, some of the books I read back then as a young man was very inspiring and created a lot of awe and dreams of, of it. I just soaked that up. Uh, at, at the same time, I had a uh, a great man. Uh, friend at church that I grew up around. He was obviously way older than me. His name was Mike Crawford and still Mike Crawford. Um, So he was a real life, you know, mentor slash instructor, and he actually was a flight instructor. Mm -hmm. And as I grew up going to church, I would talk to him after church and he would would, uh, take a liking to me and be happy to talk with me. Very, very um, joyful, godly man, great pilot mentor, gave me the time. Um, and eventually as a got in the high school, you know, I used to stop by him and his wife, Linda's house and spend a lot of time at their kitchen table, both um, talking about life and God's word and aviation and flying. And uh, we would go over ground school stuff. I was very slow at that. Uh, flying came the actual stick and rudder hands on was came to me pretty easily, but, uh, buckling down and spending time in the books or I used to end up using a video instruction worked best for me. Um, he helped me with that. Uh, he ended up being, uh, my flight instructor through my private. He took over after Glenn Smith got me soloed in my Luscombe, my 1946 Luscombe 8A that I rebuilt with mentors help through, uh, my Couple years in teenage years. And then uh, Mike Crawford took me over and finished my private all voluntarily and in my instrument all voluntarily on his own time. And I'm eternally grateful for that. Um, another mentor would have been during that time, Bruce Bosey. And he had some classic airplanes Beach 18, AT6 Texan, North American AT6 Texan, uh, a Ryan PT22. Super Cruiser, Piper Super Cruiser. He had a CB at one time. the The mainstays were a Beach eighteen and T six, but he he kind of rotated through some airplanes, always fixing them up and and uh, fiddling with them. I'm forgetting. I'm I'm forgetting. They're playing a the Bonanza, the old V tail Bonanza, and he was the one that picked me up on Saturdays, and I would go out to the airport just soak it up polish the aluminum, sweep the floors, go on flights. And so those are
0: a quick rundown or a long yeah. rundown on some of my mentors, instructors. Yeah, I can say probably most of us have, you know, people like that who, you know, guided us along in our journey. And, you know, for some it's instructors, for some it's other pilots, for some it's just, uh, you know, people have encouraged them along the way, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, moving on to our next question, what made you want to become a CFI? And for our listeners who don't know what a CFI is, CFI stands for Certified Flight Instructor. Basically, it's just a FAA certified instructor uh, that can teach people uh, to learn how to fly. And these flight instructors do not have to be, you know, employed at a flight school. Um, you can have your flight instructor certificate without being, you know, employed or working for somebody. So, Curtis, uh, coming back to the question, what made you want to be a CFI? Uh,
1: you know, honestly, <clears throat> the initial motivation was out of necessity to build time and experience and uh, marketability to flying. One of the challenges of becoming a 250-hour commercial pilot, which means most people think commercial pilot means you're an airline pilot a commercial pilot actually means you can get up paid to fly, fly for hire. And there's a series of certificates and training ratings that you, and written so you exams that you take to get to the um, commercial level where you're now allowed to, to fly for hire. Problem is you're so low in time and experience. There's very few jobs anybody will hire you for. So yeah. a way to, get marketable and experience is to become a cfi and so as soon as you become a commercial pilot which by the way if i can do it anybody can if you have what it takes to f- actually fly an airplane there's a lot of people that are book and book smart but they don't they struggle with the actual hand-eye stick and rudder uh, skill and coordination um, but all of that being said any if anybody can do it then i can do it or if anybody If I can do it, anybody could do it. So I became a CFI to build time and experience to become marketable. Um, When I was pumping fuel and pulling out airplanes and servicing pilots and passengers out of Skytrak Aviation Modesto, the uh, chief pilot at the time, I would do some ride-alongs with him and others, and I said, what do I need to do? This was when I was, I think, 19, no, 20 or so. What do I need to do? or 19 or so uh, to become a pilot here and he said you need to get your CFI become an instructor an instrument instructor and not only can you do you need to become an instructor i need to know that you actually instructed cuz some people get their CFIs do a few instructions or what have your or recommend a few people for a check ride and then they don't do it anymore which is fine but he wanted me to become a gold seal CFI so Uh, for your listeners that don't know what a gold seal is on top of being a cfi it's having a eighty percent pass rate or better on the people you recommend for to the uh, examiners for a certificate or rating and so i was able to accomplish that that uh, my first 10 you have to have 10 my first 10 people i recommended i had one tough student from china that was um real challenge to get through his instrument rating good kid but real challenge uh he um didn't pass his first check ride but other than that all of my others um, passed on their first attempt so i was able to get my cfi and then as i progressed i became a joy to instruct friends um and help them there's a couple young guys that are now jet captains here locally that i uh i instructed either soloed them or took them to cfi back when i did before i had kids and had more time just as a volunteer and that was a joy Um, and then now i'm able to on work trips i take uh young people along and, and adults that are um trying to work their way up in the industry And I, since I'm an instructor, I can give them dual flight instruction on these trips and they get very valuable time in their logbook and experience. And then lastly, uh, as a CFI, uh, one of my specialties is tailwheel instruction and flying. I really enjoy and do well at that. So, um,
0: that's, yeah, 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 that's, yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, what are the things, you know, continuing on uh, this next question pertains to that last question. What are the things you like and don't like about being a CFI? You know, the pros and cons. Uh, the, don't like is, I guess, a,
1: a, something I don't enjoy is the patience that's required. Uh, sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's really hard, uh, I guess, maybe for me. Not all CFIs, some of the great CFIs that do it continually as a living. Uh, I'd only did it for a living for two years, but it requires a lot of patience. And just, um, you know how it is when you're somebody's driving and you're pushing on the floor as if you're pushing on the brake or leaning into things. It's like, oh, i, I got to let yeah. them make the mistakes. I've got to correct this but v- verbally, but not taking the airplane away most of the time. And uh, it, it's a lot of time commitment yeah. and uh, do them, serve them well. It's not just, uh, it's not just something that you can just wing to do a good job. And that's why I don't flight instruct anymore primarily. I only do tailwheel instruction because I can jump in and do a little ground with somebody and then jump in and go. Uh, flight reviews as a CFI. One of the things we're tasked with is CFIs represent the FAA and every two years give pilots, private pilots, for example, or people that are not flying for a carrier or charter operation, give them flight reviews. There's a lot of responsibility to putting my, my name behind them. Um, and so for the next two years, after I do a flight review to make sure that they're proficient and they're flying is the next two years, my name's behind them and certified that they are good to go that's a lot of responsibility. So that would be, um, uh, something that I don't take lightly. It's not, you know, it's not easy. And also the instrument proficiency check, um, given as a instrument instructor, there's a lot of responsibility for turning somebody loose after inst- instrument proficiency check, that are going to go fly in the clouds. So, um, I think I said earlier what I like, this would be some of the things that, that weigh on you as an instructor, or at least me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, coming from the student pilot's perspective, you know, I see, I see the look on my instructor's face when I make a mistake, you know, turn the plane too sharp or, uh, you know, do a rough takeoff. Um, so I can, I can understand, I, I can see why that would be a struggle, you know, trying to, trying to, be patient with the students and, you know, not take over the airplane every time they make a mistake, sort of thing.
1: Yes. Yes. It's a lot easier to do than instruct
0: how to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, like pretty much anything it's, you know, it's harder than it looks or sounds, you know?
1: See, I can, as a, now this progression, my career, I get, you know, I'm hired to fly airplanes, how I like them how I like to fly and where I like to fly and, and make my decisions. And as instructor, I have to sit tight and instruct and bite my, you know, bite my tongue somewhat, but mostly uh, it's hard not to get involved because they're not flying like you want or you would do it. But that's part of being instructor. And eventually if you take the time and patience, you'll get them up to how you fly and how you want to see them fly. So that's, that's all
0: on that for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, I can definitely see, like, like I said, you know, coming from that CFI standpoint, uh, I can see everything that you're talking about. You know, even though I'm not one, um, I do intend to become one. You know, once I'm yeah. old enough. I think the limit is you have to be 18 to be one, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So as soon as, as, as I'm turning play. 18, yeah, as soon as I turning 18, I'm getting my, you know, instrument, my commercial, and my CFI. Well, so, you can your uh, yeah your solo at 16 private at 17 and
1: immediately work on your instrument so that you're ready to rock and roll at 18 for
0: your commercial. Okay. So your
1: question's fine.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. That Now that I think about it, that's probably a better plan of action because I want to get my, I should want to get my instrument first. I'm not looking forward to that though. Okay. So moving on to our next question, what are the pros and cons of being a Young Eagles pilot?
1: Can't think of any cons.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> pros, <laughs> the pros are, for example, meeting you Carson. You yeah. you, did I you give you your first smaller plane ride? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Uh, see, that's, that's the coolest thing. I love that. And, and I believe I turned the flight controls over to you and let you fly around while your dad was in the back and he did a great job. You'd I studied did. the craft already and it was showed. Um, my first ride was with a guy by the name of Dan Crutzfeldt. Um, and it was this. It was early on in young years. I don't know if it's a young years flight, but uh, I forever remembered that day, that flight, that and the joy and the awe and the incredibleness of it. And uh, I just love giving that out myself now.
0: Yeah, I know uh, that that sort of memory. You know, it imprints a memory in you that's very lasting uh i can say you know i remember everything about that first flight flying all over and it was awesome and um i'll never forget that so uh curtis we'll be continuing this interesting discussion in a moment but first we're going to have a short break Hey guys, Carson here from George Has the Wheel. I want to take a moment to tell you about the Young Eagles program. The Young Eagles program is run by the EAA, the Experimental Aircraft Association, to give kids between the ages of 8 and 17 their first free ride in an airplane. Launched in 1992, Young Eagles volunteer pilots have flown over 2 million youth. It's the only program of its kind with the sole mission to introduce and inspire kids in the world of aviation. All you have to do is go to EAA.org and find a chapter near you. Chapters host the Young Eagles Rallies and Meets where you can go and take a flight. A Young Eagles flight done by Curtis Haney, our guest, introduced me to the wonderful world of aviation. Thanks for listening, guys. Hey listeners. Carson here, coming at you from Georgia Has the Wheel. I want to take a moment to tell you about Audible's awesome 30-day free trial program. Just hit the link down in the description and sign up for the free trial. You get a free membership with Audible for 30 days, one Audible credit to spend on books that are yours to keep, two credits if you're a Prime member, a friendly email reminder before your trial ends, and, best of all, unrestricted access to the entire Audible Plus catalog of books, podcasts, audiobooks, guided wellness, and audible originals. No credits needed. Again, to sign up, just hit the link in the description and get your exclusive free trial today. Welcome back to George Has the Wheel after that short intermission. I'm your host, Carson Wagner, and today we have flight instructor and Young Eagles volunteer pilot Curtis Haney on the show. So, continuing our questions and answers, Curtis, what is your favorite type of aircraft and why?
1: Well, that's a tough one. I can, I, I would imagine for most people, without being mission specific, you know, war, civilian, uh, World War II, modern day, all that sort of thing. I would have to just that's tough. I'd narrow it down to it's a toss up between the P fifty one North American P fifty one Mustang and the Grumman uh, F eight Bearcat.
0: And why are, are those your favorite planes just because they're old classics or, um, are they for a different reason?
1: It- yeah. Uh, the history and the, you know, I, you know, when I was young, I read about them and the stories and the, and the success that they were. You know, the Bearcat didn't see action in World War II. It's just barely late. But, oh, I love watching them fly. I love hearing them. You know, the Reno Air Races, the air shows. Um, I, uh, desperately want to fly either one of those someday so that's my my materialistic earthly one of my materialistic earthly goals is to manipulate
0: the flight controls of one of those airplanes yeah yeah i can see the mustang is one of my favorite aircraft of all time and it's also coincidentally the must the ford mustang is one of my favorite cars so um that's funny coincidence there but yeah, I love the Mustang. I can't say the same about the Bearcat, but I do love the Mustang.
1: Okay, yeah. I, I'd like to uh, see you drive your Mustang out to your Mustang to fly it. That'll
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'll be the day. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah that'd be awesome. But, so, Curtis, what is in your mind the greatest thing about flying or things?
1: Well, currently, getting paid to fly. It feels like the greatest scam ever pulled off. Yeah. Um, I I love flying and getting paid to fly like I do now. I fly business aviation. I, I phone airlines. Um, I That brings me great joy and uh, satisfaction. Uh, manipulating the plane – nailing the approaches and landings the challenge and, and, and trying to do well at that I really enjoy that so that's something come to my mind
0: yeah that's that's what I'm thinking you know I want to grow up and turn my uh turn my love of flying into a job you know where I can support a family and uh you know get a house and a car and that sort of thing and it's this I can I can perfectly relate to that I'm like I this is the this is the best job on the planet. I'm doing what I love, you know, what I love more than almost anything on this earth. And then I get to be paid for it, you know, like you're getting paid for your hobby, really. Um, it's worth it all.
1: Even if it takes someone twice the time as the average or normal person or twice the money a car- spread over a career, it's worth it. It's not easy. And there's ups and downs and setbacks um, as far as for a career goes. Uh, but if you love flying, it is worth it all. I've had lots of ups and downs, setbacks, you know, 2008, uh, 2020, everything in between. And just if you're doing it for recreational purposes, purposes it's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Curtis – Moving on to our next question, I understand you also serve as a city councilman. Is it difficult, you know, juggle time between your uh, council duties and your uh, your flying or your flying duties, or is or is it you know easy? The answer is yes. It is difficult.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it takes a toll on me, uh, both emotionally and time-wise. F- flying yeah. can. Depending on what type of flying you do, has an unpredictable or up and down schedule, and trying to block out time for the uh, service, public service, is uh, challenging at times. But it's an important, you know, community service that I believe in, and I'm honored to serve as you know a council member. So it's it's challenging, but it is rewarding. and There's many joys and times I've had in the community. You know at ribbon cuttings or groundbreakings or uh, rodeo parades, uh, interaction with constituents and friends in the community. Yeah. But there's uh, lots, of, lots of challenging times, so that's that's my take on it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know, I know uh, personally quite a few pilots that have like you, other main jobs and they do flying as sort of a side thing or as a side job, and it's, I've always heard, you know, I don't have a job, I'm 13 years old, but uh, I've always heard it's difficult to, you know, juggle both of those and, you know, you you want your love of flying to almost always win, but then, you say you've got a job you really like, um, and, you, you know, you can't decide between the two, and uh, yeah, so... Moving on to our next question, what is a big change that you would like to see happen in the general aviation community?
1: Uh, Slow or stop the barriers between the public and kids, such as yourself and I was uh, um, at airports. Um, As our society and world continues to, uh, I hate to say it, unravel and move in the wrong direction, you see more security, more barriers between – Um, kids and and people interested in aviation. For example, when I was a kid, which didn't seem like that long ago in the 90s, I could go out to the Oakdale Airport, ride my bike, or get dropped off. Um, Once I, you know, my parents developed a a knowledge and trust of the the community out there and walk up to the little waist-high gate, open it, and walk out on the ramp and down the line of hangars and meet people. And interact yeah. and that same airport now has had some security issues someone tried to back in 2009 tried to s- steal a engine with a saws off an airplane which sparked a fire and it burned to the ground some generator was stolen from a hangar uh and stuff like that they got a they got a grant and you know what they did they threw up a big fence all yeah. around the airport unless you know somebody or Havac code or something like that. You can't just do and walk on and meet people like I did and get mentored. And so that's a problem. And, uh, some of the other things I'd like to see, uh, change or improve is balancing, you know, but while balancing fun and freedom and Liberty also increase our safety record. Uh, and that is done by training and, uh, interest reading up and, and spending time in training with an instructor. I know it's expensive, but a big one is if you're just visually fine is spin training, unusual attitude recovery training. I've done a lot of instructing in that, and that is getting people and airplanes regularly right now. Uh, spin training was taken out of private pilot training uh, some time ago. I don't know how long ago, 20 years ago, or something like that. And I think that was foolish. I think that was really foolish because nowadays, sometimes when people uh, put themselves in such a bad situation that they stall the airplane uncoordinated and go into a spin, it's the first time they have seen it. That's not going to go well. Yeah, no, you can't. It's and it's usually low. The first time you see a bad situation and it's real life emergency, it's it's gonna it's going to end, in badly. Uh, so, uh, some other thing is, you know, Dan Greider. he's kind of a polarizing figure in aviation. He has a lot of great things that I, I agree with and enjoy. Um, and one of them is his AQP approach like we do in the airlines, advanced qualification program. And it's, uh, you can look into it, but it it's real life scenario based training and flight review. For pilots and I think it's a good solution it takes uh, some of the main things that are people running into problems or, or risk or crashes safety deals and puts people through the training real life um, you can view it on his website which I don't have with me right now flight chop videos pretty much, pretty much anybody's everybody's seen his videos on YouTube he has some recordings with Dan Greyer on it and I think the aviation 101 website um, who's also on YouTube, has the AQP um, basically printout, if anybody's interested.
0: Yeah, I can I can uh, say personally, you know, I intend to do spin training and advanced stall training, because to me, like, I'll take almost anything. I'll take an in-flight fire over a spin. I've seen videos where planes go into a spin, and it's not pretty. Um, you know, especially from inside the cockpit. Uh, so oh. it's... That's definitely something um, that I agree with you on, something that that I would like to see change, you know, better safety record, um, which like you, I believe will happen if, uh, you know, the FAA and people start incorporating incorporating, uh, things like spin training and advanced stall training back into uh, instruction, you know, just regular instruction.
1: Yes and, and I, I think once you and others get into it and start training, you will soon find and like in my case uh, an in-flight fire for example, would be one of the worst case scenarios because there may or not may or, may, or may or may not be a way to recover essentially from an in-flight fire. yeah um, and as you get training, Here's the good news about spins and unused attitude recovery. So long as you have some altitude and you take it that far and get yourself in that bad of a situation, if you have the altitude, that is recoverable. And that's yeah. the good news of good training is if you get into a start of spin, you know, pushing the stick forward, power to idle and opposite rudder, as soon as you unload that wing, it boom, it's over. The spin is done, and it's recovery time. So yeah. that's the good news about training.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, also one more thing relating to the last question: when you first said you know uh, you'd like to see general aviation op- airports, you know, open up more like they were back in the '90s when you were a kid, I have something to relate to that too. My instructor, he grew up in uh, he grew up in Los Angeles. And he said, as a six or seven-year-old kid, he would go down to um, LAX, Los Angeles International Airport, and he'd sit. He'd be. He'd sit there right outside the fence, right next to the ILS system, and he'd sit there and watch the planes, you know, take off and land. And he said sometimes he'd go around um, and just walk out into the walk into the actual airport itself, you know, and find pilots and talk to them and that sort of thing. So it's that's definitely something that I would also you know love to see uh general aviation airports you know taking down their fences, you know being able to be more trusting and I know with you know the community we're living in i it's not always possible because people do do things like try to cut out engines and out of airplanes and steal airplanes and steal things from hangars and whatnot um, but yeah, yeah. so. You already pretty much answered this question uh, when I asked you what you, if you know, what you like and don't like about being a young Eagles pilot. But in case you have anything to add to that, I'm still just going to ask you: Do you enjoy watching youth experience flying for the first time?
1: Yes, it's one of my favorite things about aviation. Actually, uh, it brings back my early experience and memories, like we talked about earlier, and that that awe. The absolute awe, and uh, the dreaming that follows it, the what ifs, the maybe I, maybe I could. Uh, I, I love seeing that, and when we flew together, that was a, that was special for me, and exciting for me. And I, I, I almost live for that type of deal. Is for folks like you to to see that that sparked is just super rewarding.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so uh, coming up on our last question here for the episode, Curtis, what is a message you could say to future generations about continuing the legacy of flight?
1: I'd say pursue it, promote it, uh, train, stay proficient, keep it safe uh, while protecting the liberty that we have in aviation here and and, in general.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome.
1: That liberty and that, that we have part of that, protecting it and enjoying it is promoting it and keeping a, a good record and doing things like you are doing with the podcast, getting it out there, doing young eagles flying and, uh, Having open house days. If you have fences, for crying out loud, you got to have open houses a couple times a year at these airports. So, and get it out into the community, which is a challenge we've had at Oakdale. You know, everybody's busy and it's hard to get it out, but, you know, the the service clubs in the town get that to them. They can promote it and spread the word, social media, maybe signs in town. So, all those things are what uh, promotes and protects aviation and the liberty of it to future generations
0: yeah yeah in fact i don't know if you know this but if you look closely at our logo it's in really small print because i designed the logo badly but our motto is aviate educate communicate um it's you know fly uh tell people about flying educate them about flying and then you actually have to communicate it uh you know communicate it well like we're doing on this podcast okay curtis so this is the end of our episode, but before we go, I actually have one more quick question that I sure. intend to ask everyone who does a QA and a on my show. You know, sort of like a poll question. I've heard a lot of debate over the impossible turn, and lots of people have very different views on it. So if your engine failed right after takeoff, would you try to turn back to the runway and make what pilots like to call the impossible turn? Or make an emergency landing in front of you, say on a flat field or you know, a piece of land.
1: That's a great question. <clears throat> and uh, very important to mentally consider and have in your mind prior to it happening rather than figuring it out. Do I get to know an airplane? And
0: uh, an
1: altitude?
0: Yeah. Let me, let me think one up for you. Let's say you're in a. Generalities one, like. Yeah. Let, let's say you're in a one seventy two, and altitude. Huh? 800 feet
1: uh by myself or two by
0: yourself yourself.
1: that is right on the cusp so um the biggest thing (laughs) is if you're in a rural oakdale environment i would say uh i would pick something within 30 degrees and you will walk away Um, If you land it slowly and right and don't hit power lines on the way in, you will probably walk away. Yeah, Um, That's your guarantee. Um, So at that low of an altitude, that's right on the cusp, and you have to do everything perfectly if you're going to turn back. And so that depends on on your experience. See, in my Luscombe back when I was a kid – a teenager, I went out to a crop Disney strip that I was allowed to fly in and out, and I practiced and simulated that and tested it so I knew that at 700 feet, if I pulled my engine on myself, AGL, I could d- dump the nose and bank and come back around landing. But that was my lost gum in that scenario. Every airplane's different. And if you haven't trained for that and don't know what it is in your airplane and your weight, I wouldn't, I wouldn't try it until you're at least. This is just speculating with the, out even going, you know, to plan for. I wouldn't do it until you're at least a thousand feet. But if you haven't done unusual attitude recovery, advanced stall training, like you talked about, spin training, uh, you may not have the skill and knowledge to pull that off. Because if you do that type of training we were just talking about, you will know where the critical angle attack is on your airplane Yeah. that will create a stall spin scenario. And if you haven't trained that, don't. (laughs) Don't try it super high.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, one of the FAA handbooks – you know, the FAA puts out two handbooks for student pilots. The – what is it? The – uh, airplane flying handbook and pilot's handbook of aeronautical knowledge are the two. And yeah. in one of them, um, you know, I recently just did training on emergency landings and I had to do, do reading in one of the handbooks. And in one of them, it actually says at around uh, five to 800 feet, if you had – say you had a typical adult's weight, around 200 pounds in the cockpit, and you tried to turn back to the runway – um, and you were in a regular single-engine plane, such as a 172, uh-huh. you would actually end up, and obviously this is theoretical, 1,079 feet below the runway. You would that would be your descent. Um, that be the and that would be trying the only possible way to make it back to the runway. So you know personally, I that deterred me from you know if that yeah. emergency ever occurs, I'm not going to be doing that. Um, yeah, unless there's a mountain in front of me, you know but that probably isn't going to happen.
1: So Curtis, See, I thanks think for us always to spread the crash out fly all the way through it like uh, what's Bob Hoover said, fly as far into the crash as you can. If you can yeah. spread that stoppage sudden stops what kills people. So if you can spread that if you're in ever in that situation, which is very rare, if you can spread that over you know seconds, the more seconds the better. Yeah. All spinning in. There's no time spread. It's smack. Yeah. So. Yeah, it just comes out of nowhere.
0: Well, Curtis, thanks for being on the show today.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. So thanks for listening. I'm your host, Carson Wagner, and this has been George Has the Wheel. Please leave me a good review and consider donating. To donate, go to any of my page descriptions on one of my platforms or my site and hit the link. If you have any questions, comments, reviews, or suggestions for upcoming episodes, shoot me an email at georgehasthewheel7500 at gmail.com, and let me know what you think. Don't forget to smash that notification bell and get notified every time I release a new episode. Thanks for listening, guys. Hey, guys. Carson here from George Has the Wheel. Um, I want to uh, quickly just point out that um, this is our first Q&A episode um, with a guest, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. And also, at the end of every season, I'm going to be doing one of these A Look Into the Life of a Pilot um, episodes. This is A Look Into the Life of a Pilot 1, so at the end of season two, we'll have A Look Into the Life of a Pilot 2, and so on. And each one will just be a member of the general, general aviation community, um, a pilot who. Uh, you know, is involved in the general aviation community. And Curtis, our our guest, is definitely one of those. And so, uh, yeah, I'm going to be doing this at the end of every season to commemorate it. And also, guys, I want to quickly explain um, who Curtis is to me. He is the man who took me up for my first uh, flight. Um, I was 12. It was just last year. Um, He took me up for my Young Eagles flight. And um, he's a great guy. Yeah, he's an Oakdale City Councilman in Oakdale, California, where he lives, and he's also a pilot. He holds his CFI rating, and since he—I'm assuming he holds his tailwheel rating, too, um, since he's a—since uh, he says he's in tail, a tail—he instructs tailwheel. So, again, guys, uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. If you, you know, like I said, if you have any questions, comments, reviews, suggestions, don't forget to shoot me an email— You know the email. I've said it so many times, my mouth is hurting. Um, No, I'm just kidding. But yes, you know the email. All you got to do is go listen to one of my other episodes to find it out. Also, guys, don't forget to check out my site. The link's going to be down in the description. Thanks for listening, guys.